well, don't be closed off to learning. You'll you'll see there are a lot of similarities and the people, they're just people like us trying to do the best they can. No matter what religion I've gone to, I've noticed that the people who are seeking to make themselves better, to bring themselves closer to God, really they're they're just like us. There is nothing in it about about hatred. That's just I think some of the fanatic like that. It's all about love. Hello and welcome to Drinks with God, a podcast about alternative theological experiences, death, and life. All of the following content is based on each interviewee's own personal experiences and is meant to be educational, not confrontational. interfaith minister, and why don't you tell us a little bit about, just to start, how you uh, got in on that path. Sure, I'll be happy to, and thank you for having me here. Okay, um, I started off, I was raised Roman Catholic. I was asking a lot of questions and not really getting answers that satisfied me. So I started researching other things and other paths and ended up going to seminary. What I loved about the interfaith seminary is I learned about Hinduism, I learned about Jainism, I learned about Christianity also, and Judaism, and most of the main religions. And what I learned from all of that is that every one of them preaches be the best person you can be treat other people the way you want to be treated, and above all, love. So I've learned that while each has its different flavor, they all, every one of them, have many more similarities than differences. The only real differences are the cultures and the, uh, and the prophets and, of course, the names of the gods. So that um, going to a seminary is always a big um, commitment. I know that a lot of people, especially people that grow up in some sort of a, a more religious household or in a, a household that ascribes to a particular faith, will naturally be asking questions. One thing to be coming from a very religious household and then sticking to that faith and going deeper into it, but another to go deep into a more of a multifaceted. With your parents being Roman Catholic, how did they, uh, how'd they react to you moving into an, more of an interfaith, um, like a... They were very supportive. Um, it was a, actually a process. It wasn't an abrupt, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to seminary kind of thing. Uh, when I was in high school, I was very active in the Roman Catholic youth group. There was a lot of music involved. That's how I learned to play the guitar. And um, that was my social structure, and there was a lot of prayer. So what happened was I kind of started having dialogues 
with the Creator. And I would fall asleep at night chit-chatting. I'd call him Dad. And it was a very, very comfortable and soothing and peaceful relationship. So much so, and there was so much love going back and forth there, that I wanted to become a nun. Well, actually, I wanted to become a priest, but being female, that wasn't allowed. So I thought, okay, I'll be a nun. I'd love to follow and learn from Mother Teresa. I adore her. And uh, I realized, oh my gosh, there would be so many other girls wanting to work with Mother Teresa. I didn't stand a chance. I'd probably end up behind cloister walls somewhere, not doing anybody any good. So I thought, okay, I'll just help people through the way I live. You know, share a smile with someone, pick something up if someone drops it, you know, that kind of thing, just to try to kind of raise people up a bit. And I also uh, took Reiki which was my first introduction to energy work other than chi. And so my mother knew that I was exploring these unseen things. Matter of fact, she took a Reiki class from me and saw me in a whole different light. So going to seminary after that wasn't really a very big stretch. And yes, there were my, both my parents were supportive. Very cool. Very yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, um... We'll come back to, to family in, a, in one aspect, because I do want to get into faith and, uh, and your children. What are some, if you would like to share, ways that, as you were first getting on, you know, on your feet in the, in the world of being in, like an interfaith helper, and, um, not when you weren't quite a reverend yet, are there any um, good stories you'd want to share from when you were first starting out? Sure, time? sure. Most of them were healing-based. I just loved making people feel better. You know, always with their permission, of course. And uh, it, it could be as simple as giving someone a hug when they look like they need it. I didn't touch without knowing that the person was okay with it. But uh, when they couldn't speak or, or when they didn't have the mental capacity, like with infants, to let me know one way or the other, what I would do is I would just send it out there or for their higher selves to receive it if they choose, or I would say a prayer and let God handle it. A lot can be done through prayer. And I, I also uh, work with the angels and the archangels, and I have found even with the ones that we would be kind of in awe of, as soon as you think that you want their help, that you want them around, bam, they're right there. It's like they're just waiting for you to ask. And so I've started developing relationships with some of them, like my guardian angel. And one of the things I love to do is to show people how to contact their own angels that are helping them. And on that same subject, there is a whole lot of different theories um, and opinions that people have on exactly what that sort of like a beyond the veil sort of connection could be. Do you have any of your own personal um, thoughts on the matter or... Did you ever come across, like, one that, like, really sums it up nicely? Um. <laughs> I have a story. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. Okay. My, when I was about 10 years old, my brother passed away. And he came to me in a dream, and I found that people who recently cross over, it's easiest for them to contact us 
through dreams. At the time, I wasn't sure if it was real or not, because I was a 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid at the time. But in this dream, he uh, took me with him back to heaven. And my brother was an 18-year-old in a band, a rock band. And <laughs> I'd see people playing board games. I'd see people skateboarding, whatever it is they love to do. And my brother, instead of having a harp, like all the cartoons show the angels having, he had his electric guitar. That's and that's what heaven was. It was doing what you love to do. And, um, you know, the usual say hi to mom and dad, tell them I'm okay. And that's when I woke up and I told my mother about this, about every detail. She's like, wow, I wish he would come to me. But uh, I don't know why he didn't. But I was very receptive to it. Yeah. yeah. Even my dog came one time when, after she passed. So I know that there's also an afterlife for the animals. I know some people question that. But yeah, they have an afterlife too. That's really fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, to kind of keep in the same theme of instances throughout your life, any fun stories you might want to share. Um, I know that you've, since leaving the seminary, you had gone through a whole lot of different schools of, of uh, faith. You've gone through a whole lot of different sects. Part of the reason why uh, we even started to have this interview was because I know that you've uh, had your own experiences with heathenism and paganism. Oh, yes. Are there any in particular that you'd want to share, like how you'd come across those or how any, any friends that you've made? I've made so many friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that there is a, you've done some work with a coven. Yeah, yes, I, I have. My... Um, very first teacher, this is before I was ordained, I had been curious about it. As soon as I learned that witches aren't what are portrayed in the movies and in and in the fairy tales, I learned what a witch was. I learned the threefold law, which is whatever you do, whatever you put out will come back to you three times. And I've learned do what you want but harm none. Once I learned that, and they weren't scary anymore, and I knew that they were nature-based. I, I had always loved nature. At, this is before your time, but there was this commercial when I was growing up of a Native American on a horse walking, and then there's trash all around him and a tear coming down. And I would always think to myself, and I was a child at the time, that's me, I agree. And as, when I learned that there were other people who believed this way, I wanted to learn as much as I could. And so... I started, and I'm still learning. Every day I try to learn something new. But my one friend, his name is John, we laughed a lot. <laughs> he introduced me to Hecate, and he was born on Hecate Day. She's a threefold goddess, and very kind to me. And then I told some of my other friends who were pagan that I'm working with her, and they were astonished that I was working with her as my first goddess my first deity. She's like, you know who she is, right? I'm like, yeah, she's Hecate. And then they started telling me all this scary stuff, and you have to be really careful, really, really careful. Well, I'm respectful. Yes, of course. But fear? Where does fear come into it? You know, there's faith. I'm being the best person I can be. I'm trying. I'm making an effort. I'm not crossing her. So what do I have to fear? So after working with Hecate, who did you work with next? I started working with Breed, and it's funny you should ask who I've been working with next, 
because the gods have this way of handing me off from one to the next, and they never really leave me. <laughs> but each one has something new that I need to learn or that I need to work on, different personality traits, different habits, uh, getting over fears. So I went from Hecate to Breathe. She's a Welsh goddess, and I studied a Welsh eclectic path for a while, and uh, that's with an ex-boyfriend of mine. He was a second-degree priest who incidentally became a third degree after that. From there, I floundered for a while. I didn't know what I was going to do, so I was solitary for a little bit, and um, oh, still always wanting to learn, always remembering that threefold law. That helps no matter what religion you're in. I learned a little bit about Hinduism, a little bit about Judaism. My husband's Jewish, so I kind of learned uh, just through the holidays and asking questions. I asked his dad a lot of questions, and he was always happy to teach me. So then after Breed, I worked with Odin. I was a little scared of him, but really he's very protective and ended up being like, really like a like a father or grandpa type. Like a very stern, like, old school guy. Yeah, kind. but smiles. You know you know how, like, you can see these really gruff guys, but when it comes to their kids, they turn to mush? <laughs> That's kind of how he was. And, oh, my gosh, did I learn a lot about the runes. Through working with him, I met Freya Aswin, very uh, famous rune, rune mistress who wrote The Leaves of Yggdrasil and a few other books. And she she and I were actually ordained together. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I learned a lot through her and how she perceived them. And she channeled Odin, and she channeled Thor one time. And, oh my gosh, having them come through that way, it really put a whole different perspective on them, that they're not just these ethereal, imaginary beings, but that they really had things to, that they wanted to say to us and things they want to teach us and help us with. And it, that, that was wonderful. That was my introduction to the Norse pantheon. After Odin, I was handed off to a team, Isis and Jesus, which humanity wouldn't put together, but they have no problem working together. Well, I've actually um, come across Isis a lot associated as an, another incarnation of the whole the Virgin Mary. So that, coming from the point of view of a religious studies student, um, especially a history of religion student, that doesn't surprise me in the least. So that but, makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Good. Yeah, there, there are a lot of incarnations of her. Even a, a friend of mine is from Pakistan. She told me that there's a version of ISIS in the Hindu religion as well. I don't remember the name, though. But uh, she, she's really everywhere. <laughs> And she is so nurturing, so nurturing. She was, um, she was with me during the time when my father passed. And when I had to write his memorial service, of course I was a mess. <laughs> and the first time I really felt her and kind of saw an image of her is when I was crying and she was standing behind me. And she put her wings around me. Very comforting. And it, it was like being hugged by a mom. And that's when, of course, you just let it all out. And then I regrouped, and I was able to finish doing what I had to do. I, I still, to this day, I adore her. She's, 
she's wonderful. And Jesus I've always loved, you know, since I was little. Since I was little, he's never left. And um, after them, I went to Thor and Poseidon, kind of on and off. Thor taught me how to work with the energy of lightning. The two of them are a very interesting dynamic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I could only imagine how draining that would be. <laughs> no, I was supercharged. Oh, okay. <laughs> think, it, it could go one of two ways, I'm right, sure. Think but... of, of like a battery recharging oh. with the lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when, when I needed to, he would kind of help me jumpstart my car. <laughs> or um, if I needed to deflect something non-physical I would just put up a barrier of lightning and it would just kind of vaporize or or recoil and so he taught me a new way to shield which was very nice and he's also just a real jovial kind of guy like I could see him as a drinking buddy <laughs> really really he was he was a lot of fun and a good teacher after that I was working with the Holy Family, Mary Joseph, Mary Magdalene was there, and we would have tea together <laughs> with my friend Lee, and uh, just conversations, because Lee was this catalyst for me to help me hear and translate, and it would just come out in conversation, and so that was my entryway into being, I don't know what I would be. Psychic, talking to spirit guides, talking to deities. The creator came through a few times. That's the first time I met Michael, the archangel. I had met Gabriel once before. And each one of them has a different feel to them. So sometimes I'm translating feelings. Sometimes I'm translating thoughts. And sometimes I'm hearing words. But And sometimes I just, I just uh, catch... A scent of something like if I if I smell cigarette smoke that's my grandmother if I smell like a lily of the valley perfume that's my sister who's passed and and I just know to associate it like that and then there's some I have no idea who they are <laughs> but uh, after that let's see after that I started working with and I'm drawing a blank on her name so I guess I'm not supposed to mention her and then she introduced me. I had gone to a Hindu temple for the first time with my friend from Pakistan. And I met Kali. Oh, she is wonderful. <laughs> my experience with uh, Kali and my research has always been that she's a very over, like an overprotective mother figure. Similar to how um, Odin is a, not like an overbearing leader kind of figure, but um, like to his own. They are his own. That is very much uh, where Holly seems to fall, as far as uh, I've been able to gather. And your experience, was that along the same lines? Or? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, my first experience was um, there was a Kali statue. And yes, I know the statue was not Kali, but right behind the statue was her presence. And this is before I knew she was a fire goddess. All I felt was this, this warmth, this heat. And it, it actually got hot, you know, beyond just warm waves of heat coming off it towards me. And I mentioned that to my friend, and that's when she told me, well, she's a fire goddess. I just felt totally accepted, like I fit. I felt 
almost like she was saying, what took you so long? It's about time. And I had always been a little bit afraid of her. But after working with uh, Hecate, the name I couldn't think of before, after working with her, because I had been afraid of her, she got me over that initial fear and then brought me to Kali. And while working with Kali, I was also reintroduced to Ganesha. And my first introduction to him was during a meditation. And he was definitely not what I expected. When I met him, I felt him more than saw him. And all I felt was this little boy who I just wanted to hug and mother and protect. And, oh my gosh, the bond. It was, it was just like, like holding my son when he was little. And then I had met someone who knew him very well and all the legends and everything. And it turns out he, he was a little boy. And that was a cool validation. I had, <laughs> I had Kali on one hand, fierce mother goddess, who you really don't want to cross. And then I had the gentle Ganesha who just very gently removes ox obstacles and he, there's nothing harsh about him. And what a wonderful dichotomy that that was and, and still is. So uh, after them, it brings me to the almost the present when I went to Puerto Rico. And that was maybe two months ago. I stepped off the plane and felt like the ground was welcoming me. My dad was born there, and I've never had that feeling from a place before. While I was there, um, my, I was with two of my friends, and I was just gazing into a stone that I had and saw a white horse rearing up like it was about to jump. I said, okay, maybe I'm moving forward, or one of the horse gods or goddesses. And then I'm in the water, in the ocean, thinking and seeing the sea foam that looked like horses. I'm like, duh, Poseidon. <laughs> so he is working with me now. And while he is a serious guy and I'm rather goofy, he does like to play and he does smile. He's not all serious. And he's teaching me to uh, keep my emotions a little bit more even. While I am rather goofy, I'm learning there's a time and a place for it. So uh, that's where I'm at now, working with him, still trying to learn as much as I can. I'm also going to uh, a gathering of light. I go to the services every week. There are a lot of people like me there. And... Uh, wonderful, wonderful people. The uh, person who started it, uh, Reverend Joanne, thinks like I do, although she's been at it longer. And so work, working with her, I'm learning more about myself. You know, she has kids, so she raised kids, I'm raising kids. And it's really a good way to learn is to have a mentor like that. It's been on the same path as you, yeah. to some degree. And actually, um, while we're on the subject, raising children who have been, I know they've been involved to some degree in the various aspects of your faith, your 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 various faiths. <laughs> um, could you speak to that just a bit? Because I know that so many times when people, no matter what their spiritual path has been, they kind of decide, okay, now I've got kids, I'm going to stick to one, and they usually pick a very either a very traditional religion, 
or they try to stick to one where they've got a very strong, well, strong coven that they're attached to, or a strong kindred that they're a part of, if they're if they're not part of like a church or a synagogue or something along those lines. Sure, I'll be happy to. We were going to, my husband's Jewish, my family's Catholic, we were going to do their preschools, one at a Chabad, that's where we started my daughter. I love the family type atmosphere there. And then the second year she was going to go to a Christian preschool. And she didn't like it. And the atmosphere was different. She had separation anxiety, so we stuck with Chabad. So they got their Jewish background there in keeping with the father. But I was I would read to them. We had children's Bible, so I would read stories to them. And they would ask questions, which is great. I always gave them a choice. I always taught them a bit of everything. If they asked, I answered to the best of my ability or had them think about it. And uh, they're taking very different paths. My son is going more traditional, although he asks questions and is curious about the non-traditional. And my daughter is definitely non-traditional. She, While she does work with angels, she's on the more pagan path. She came with me to a Hindu temple and fell in love with Hinduism, kind of like I did. So we're both learning about that now. We're learning together. And it's bringing us a lot closer. And um, just to clarify, when you say more traditional, your son, um, he had the Chabad preschool experience and he's sticking with Judaism? Or is he more traditional in terms of both the Judaic and the Catholic upbringing? I would say leaning toward Judaism. Okay. And we light Shabbos candles Friday nights. And the way I see that is spreading light, no matter what the religion, you're spreading light, you're spreading love and peace. And now we could really use a lot of peace. (laughs) And um, actually, uh, on the subject of uh, spreading light, uh, and and to go back to earlier, you'd mentioned Reiki. I know that you've done... Reiki classes, and both your children have participated in that as well. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because I know that that's something that, I know some people might have heard the word. Oh, sure. Other people have no idea what that is. Could you just kind of uh, give us, like, the one-on-one, and then go into your own experiences <laughs> on that? In a nutshell, Reiki is a thin slice of chi that all it can do is heal or make things whole. It cannot be used to harm anybody. So that's why I started it, because it was safe. I figured it was a good thing to learn if I'm going to start working with energy. I can't mess this up. And I didn't, and I love teaching it. Uh, I also learned to feel the energy in crystals and stones and the differences between them and developed a great love for stones and shiny things like that. (laughs) So as a result, I started teaching what I do, the crystal healing class. My son has, since he was an infant, is a natural healer. And uh, when I'm sick, he immediately comes and does his form of Reiki on me. My daughter doesn't have the patience for that. (laughs) But she does the other energy work more leaning towards making things happen rather than healing. Yeah, I have not taught them magnified healing yet, which I also learned they're a little young for that. And then there's my own thing that I do. (laughs) 
that I don't know if I could teach because I I'm not sure how I do it. Or, oral reading, or is it something else? No, it's something else. It's it happened to me by accident one time. <laughs> I had hurt my knee, and I was in pain and in bed going to sleep, and then I kind of got into the zone where I went inside my body to my knee. I saw what the trouble was. It was an inflammation, and I saw it in color. It was red, so I just made it pinkish-white, you know, like normal tissue, and immediately I felt better and didn't have a problem with that again. And that was years ago. I was in my 20s. (laughs) But uh, a few years ago, I did it again with my friend had an arthritic back, and I kind of slipped into that again, and now I can do it more on demand when when I think about it and focus. Like That's kind of like a very specific, almost like Reiki-based, I don't want to say spirit walking, but it does seem like almost a, like a, project, a projection sort of a... Yeah, I, it's not like Reiki because Reiki you don't direct. You let it go where it needs to go. But here I'm directing, I'm looking around, I'm poking around. I don't know what it feels like while I'm doing that, but I know that there's relief when I find the source and address it. Like with the um, arthritis, I was filling in the holes with calcium, smoothing out the rough spots, and alleviating the uh, friction on the tissue. That's kind of my thing. Also, lots of light, lots of love. I send love in any healing I do, and I, I pray first that I can be an instrument of healing, and I think that's a really big part of it. Because once I started doing that, I became a lot more effective. And honestly, half the time, I don't think it's me. <laughs> and I know that in terms of uh, going back to prayer and going going a little bit back to your initial seminary work, you you being an interfaith minister, you have done, I know you've done weddings, you've done, uh, I'm sure, other things. Is there any specific services or anything along those lines that you've done that you that you feel like almost like you specialize in or a sort of connection that you that you prefer over others? I love blessing. That's my favorite thing to do, giving blessings and just being an open channel and letting all that love come through and go out to the recipient. I love it. My favorite thing. And uh, I incorporate that into the things I do. Like if I'm doing a healing, if I'm doing a wedding and I'm blessing the couple, inevitably it leaks out to the rest of whoever's there. It's just not something that can be contained like that. Nor would I want to. I love blessing. That's, <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> Makes me happy. Well, we've gone over pretty much everything I was uh, I was hoping to touch base on. Was there something in particular that you wanted to, to put out there to anyone who might be interested in being an interfaith minister, someone who would want to get started on this sort of path, some sort of resource they should look up, um, uh, yes. any books or anything? Oh, there are a couple really good books. Uh, World Religions, I think is the title, by Houston Smith. And The Ten Challenges. I don't know who the author is, but I know you can get it on Amazon. The Ten Challenges is a whole new way to look at the Ten Commandments. I highly recommend that one. That that was amazing. But all in all, don't be closed off to learning. You'll You'll see there are a lot of similarities and... The people, they're just people like us, trying to do the best they can. No matter what religion I've gone to, I've noticed that 
the people who are seeking to make themselves better, to bring themselves closer to God, really they're they're just like us. They like to laugh. They like to love. There is nothing in it about hatred. That's just, I think, some of the fanatics like that. It's all about love. And um, would you want, is there a way people can get in contact with you, or would you want people to contact you? I would love for people to contact me. All right. I love meeting people, even if it's just through email or phone. Right. So, uh, is there an email you'd want to give There's an email I can give. It's revlizteplin at yahoo.com. That's R-E-V-L-I-Z-T-E-P-L-I-N at Yahoo. If someone's interested in becoming an interfaith minister, I would suggest doing it through Gathering of Light. That's the that's the services that I go to now. And I know they just started a seminary class, and I believe there's going to be another one coming up either over the summer or or next year. But they should ask for Joanne. Great. Well, fantastic. Thank you. My pleasure. And you can find us on Facebook at Drinks With God. Or you can find us on Twitter at Drinks w God. And please subscribe to our Podbean page, drinkswithgod.podbean.com. Uh, you could also find us on iTunes now. And you should definitely go out and buy some t-shirts. They say things like, Manic Pixie Dream Nilist, and Ask Me About My Death Anxiety. And they're available at Redbubble dot com slash people slash drinks with God. And if you have had an alternative theological experience or can provide an in-depth viewpoint of mainstream religion, give me an email at drinkingwithgod at gmail.com. Again, that is drinkingwithgod at gmail.com. Thank you, and stay weird out there. Yeah.